Is it possible that a thief is at work on your bank account? Our study leader, Dave Wurtson, catches us up on what we've been learning from God's Handbook for Skillful Living on how to raise street-smart, godly kids. Let's join him as he reviews the four fools of Proverbs that seek to demolish our homes and then exposes a new silent killer that must be resisted. The book of Proverbs has introduced us to several different caricatures. For example, we have four classes of fools. We have the naive fool, which is the open-minded young person that the book is addressed to. And then we have the scoffer. We have the sharp, prideful intellectual that's resisting the life of wisdom. He rejects God, and he's the scoffer. Then we have the moral dullard, the business person that really doesn't care anything about ethics but cares a whole lot about money. They're very complacent in their foolishness, very committed just to making a buck. And we have that third class of fool, the moral dullard. We have the worst character in the book, which is the impenetrable block. He's the fellow that's talked about in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of skillful living. But the impenetrable block, fools despise the skillful living which comes through discipline, which is what this book is after. And so we have those four classes of fool, the naive fool, the scoffer, the moral dullard, the impenetrable block. Those final three fools, the scoffer, the dullard, and the impenetrable block, are lumped together under a caricature of an individual that's referred to as the evil man. And that individual is used to really warn us about the dangers of illicit wealth. Remember, we started the book out in Proverbs 9 and following by being warned by the Father about getting involved and making money illicitly. And he uses a very graphic illustration to do that. He uses uh, Bonnie and Clyde. He uses a highway robber to communicate to young people, beware of illicit wealth. We also have the idea of the immoral woman who's the figure for all of sexual immorality and all the devastation that sexual immorality can bring. Now, in this classification of the evil man and the dangers of illicit wealth, we talked about the individual that gets himself in some bad agreements. He makes some vows which gets him in trouble. He foolishly cosigns, especially taking on the debt of a stranger, someone that he really doesn't know very well. We're going to be introduced to kind of a humorous fella, and we all kind of identify with him. It's Sam Slugger. And let me just start out by trying to just give a little vignette which kind of brings together what the book of Proverbs is saying about Sam Sluggard. This fella sets his alarm at 6 o'clock. Might sound familiar. At 6 o'clock, Sam Sluggard, the alarm goes off, and he reaches over, and he hits the alarm, and that's rollover time. It's not getting up time, it's rollover time. Now, if he's lucky, by 9 o'clock, Sam Sluggard will slowly creep out of bed, and he slowly makes it into the bathroom, and because he's got to hurry, it's 9 o'clock, and at 10 o'clock, the price is right is on. Sam Sluggard is an expert at the price is right. In other words, if he were on TV, he would be a multimillionaire because he is a genius at this game. He's watched it for 150 hours straight, hasn't missed in more than you know a half a year. Now at 12 o'clock, Sam is at the cafe. Now he's very well known at the cafe. He tanks down about 20 cups of decaffeinated coffee 
because he doesn't want to drink caffeinated coffee, not so much because caffeine is bad for your heart, but caffeine gets you kind of revved up. And he's got to get ready for his nap at 3 o'clock. Now, at the cafe, he's an expert. If you sit down with Sam Sluggard at the cafe, he is an expert on everything from Wall Street investments to all that should be done on the school board. In fact, if you want to know about anything that's happening in town, Sam Sluggard is the fellow to talk to. Also, the waitress is very aware of ingenious plans. Sam has tremendous ideas. In fact, one of these days, he's going to put one of these plans into action, and he's going to make millions. And the waitress knows every one of his weekly schemes. At 3 o'clock, he goes home, takes off all of his clothes, puts his pajamas on, gets back in bed because he's got a big date at 6 o'clock in North Dallas with some friends. At 2 o'clock that morning, we pick up with Sam coming back from North Dallas after a very intriguing night of partying. And Sam decides that instead of setting his rollover time for 6 o'clock, he's going to set it for 8 o'clock because if he hurries, he can watch the prices right again. Now, we all laugh at Sam Slugger, and obviously that's an extreme case. In fact, if you've worked hard and you've been putting in a good eight-hour day, then the Scripture would teach you that you need to take a rest. In fact, there was a law of God, one day in seven, you had to cool it. You had to rest. But you need to remember that the one day in seven, you were to rest, but that meant that the other days, the six days, you were to work. The Scriptures have this marvelous balance between you work, you earn, you discipline yourself, then you rest. And there's this marvelous balance. In fact, some of the deepest fulfillments come in life is the sweet sleep that comes to the hard laborer, the disciplined person. Now, we laugh about Sam Sluggard, but in reality, Sam is being overcome by one of the most difficult, one of the most cruel highway robbers you can ever meet. He's really a slave trader, this laziness. And laziness is a part of my life. It's a part of your life. So let's open the book of Proverbs and begin with two cartoons. Turn to chapter 12, verse 27. Because this fellow is so lazy, he won't even cook his food. And probably some of the wives will jab their husbands because if your wife goes on strike, um, nothing gets cooked. It says in chapter 12, verse 27, this. It gives kind of a picture, a cartoon. The lazy man does not even roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. What we have is a fellow that's so lazy that if he goes hunting, in fact, this verse is very difficult in the Hebrew. It's hard to decide whether it says that the lazy man doesn't pursue his game, which would mean that he doesn't even have enough gumption to go out and hunt for it. This lazy fellow either doesn't have enough energy to go and hunt for his game, or else it's possible that it means that he doesn't have enough energy to cook it. In other words, if he gets his game or if someone else gets him a game, he's so lazy this fellow won't even take the time to cook it. Notice the contrast to this individual is the diligent man who prizes his possessions. He works hard for things. She works hard for things. It's not unbiblical to take care of your things. It's not unbiblical to be thankful for the the ability that God has given you to work hard and to be able to gain possessions. Turn over to chapter 19.24. This fellow, if he does sit down at a meal with you, is so lazy that he sticks his hand in the bowl 
and he's too lazy to even bring his hand to his own mouth. It says the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. Now you got to imagine, they don't eat in the ancient world. They didn't eat in the ancient world the way we eat today with knives and forks. If you sat down in the Old Testament with a group of Israelites in the land of Palestine, you'd sit down on the floor. There'd be a big bowl in the center, and then they would have all kinds of different meats and different vegetables, and you would use like chips, or you would use like a, a thin tortilla, something like that, and you'd reach in and you'd put this stuff on and then you'd eat it. It was kind of a communal meal. So that's the idea. This guy is so lazy, he stick his hand, he has the energy to get his hand out to the bowl, he gets a piece of meat and then he just leaves his hand in the bowl because he's already fallen asleep again. And it's kind of a humorous concept of picturing this guy sitting there at this communal meal and he's already fallen asleep and he's fallen asleep with his hand right in the communal dish. The sad thing is, though, that this fellow's character is going to kill him. He's too lazy. We laugh at him. He's always falling asleep when he should be awake. But his character is going to enslave him. Let's look at some of the characteristics of this sluggard. Obviously, he begins by loving to sleep. Turn to chapter 10, verse 5. What we'll do in the next few minutes is kind of bring together what the book of Proverbs says about Sam Sluggard. And it begins by talking about some things that this fellow loves to do. He loves to sleep. He loves to talk. He loves to dream. He loves to excuse himself. Let's look, first of all, at he lo- as he loves to sleep. It says in uh, chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son. In other words, in the land of Palestine, the summer was a harvest time. It was a time when all those that were involved in agriculture knew that to get ready for the hard winter, if you were going to make it through the winter, you had to work hard during harvest. But this son is the lazy son, and he brings a disgrace to his parent because when he should be out hauling in the hay, when he should be out there gathering in the crop, instead, he's taken a nap. Chapter 20, verse 4. This idea is so prevalent that it talks about it several times during the book of Proverbs. Chapter 20, verse 4. A sluggard does not plow in season. In other words, he not only slept through the harvest, but he also slept at the time when he was supposed to be plowing. So at harvest time, he looks but finds nothing. It's a very interesting thing about this sluggard. You see, this individual sleeps when he's supposed to be gathering crops. He sleeps when he's supposed to be planting crops. But he expects to get all that the diligent man gets. I mean, this guy really goes out in the harvest time and expects to be able to gather in the harvest with everybody else. The only problem Because he didn't sow his fields, there isn't any harvest. Now, it's not just talking about agriculture here. It's talking about symbolically about all the lost opportunities that come when you fall asleep when you're supposed to be awake. It could be the college student that goes away. Mom and dad are paying the bill for college, so he or she has real no jobs to do. Their job is to go to school. But they go to university and they find out it's the first time they're on their own. They can have a big blast. Man, there's the best parties you can ever imagine. The kids don't just party on Friday night and Saturday night. They just party all week. And it's just a fantastic time to have a really good time. So this college student gets in a sequence of they stay up all night, but they sleep all day long. They don't sew during the day. 
And so they sleep during class. They party at night. And what happens is when the grades come in, when it's time to harvest, when it's time for final exams, they've had it. The truth of the matter is that some of you will go away to school and that exact thing will happen to you. It can happen in a job. You're just a little bit late. Always a little bit late. You're always looking at the clock. You always take a longer coffee break than you should. And then you expect to get a raise. And it won't work that way. You'll get laid off. Now, you might get laid off even if you're diligent, but you're almost guaranteed to get laid off if you're sleeping when you're supposed to be awake. Turn to chapter 26, verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. This guy is not only not anchored, he's not anchored to his bed, he is like a door that's hinged to his bed, he rolls over. And there's Sam Slugger doing the rollover syndrome. That's the very first thing we need to face about this lazy fellow is he loves to sleep. Now, obviously, we're all honest. I love to sleep. How many of you love to sleep? I think all of us love to sleep. Watch out for that. It's not saying that you shouldn't get a good night's sleep. Some of you have the opposite syndrome. You're a workaholic. You can never relax, and you're wiping your body out because you've convinced yourself, like some college kids I went to school with, that you could get by on three hours of sleep. In other words, they just kept lowering the amount of time they slept, and they worked it down from seven hours to six hours to three hours, and they would pride themselves about how little sleep they needed, and yet when you talked to them, they were constantly zombies, especially in the emotional area. Because when you don't get enough sleep, your mind still continues to function pretty well, but the whole emotional structure of your life is wiped out. And some of the kids I went to school with even had nervous breakdowns because they didn't get enough sleep. It was like they were drug addicts. If you just take sleep away, you become just like you have the symptoms of being a drug addict or on a drug addiction. So obviously there's extremes and all these things, but Proverbs is being very clear very straightforward. Every one of us know it. you got to set the alarm and you need to get up. I want to challenge you, moms and dads. Something that really concerns me about our lives in the summer is that when our kids are off of school, we can totally eliminate all structure. Now, they need a switch. They need a change. But some of the kids didn't have to get up till 11. They played hours and hours of videos and they didn't eat good meals because no one had planned for it. And some of you moms and dads are going to come crying to me in just a few years when the kids don't have any motivation, when they get wiped out in different areas of life. And I'm going to cry with you. You know, it's hard work, dads, to be the head of your home and it's hard to schedule. Every manager knows how difficult it is to schedule work. There's a lot of you, as I look around this room, that are in superintendent kind of positions. In fact, one of our superintendents told me that we were talking about what he would do on Monday morning. He said, Monday morning, I'm covered over. Why? Because that's the beginning of the week, and all the jobs have come in, and all the needs in the plant are there. And this superintendent has a responsibility to organize a crew of several men to make sure that their days are well occupied. Moms and dads, we have that responsibility with our kids. And that's why it really motivates you. Set some plans for camp. 
Set some plans for visit to grandparents. A lot of the things that a lot of you do. Set some plans for maybe some other courses. Set some plans. You can't have health and sleep till 11 o'clock every day. It'll kill any one of you if you don't have to get up. The Lord has built us for structure. He's built us to, to be moving towards goals, to be using our time. I share that with you because life is just too precious to sleep away. And some of you need to think through, it's always hard. It's hard for me, it's hard for you to get things under control. That's why school is kind of a nice thing because it kind of jolts us to getting things. Those of us that have families, it jolts us to start to get things under control again. But we need to be careful not just to rely upon external influences, but to get these things under control on our own. The fool, this foolish sluggard, loves to sleep, but he also loves to talk. Turn to chapter 14, verse 23. Chapter 14, verse 23. All hard work brings profit. What it's saying is that God has ordained that this life, if you want to bring profit, if you want to make and have something left at the bottom end, you've got to work. Beware of any increase in profit that doesn't demand work. Because eventually it will kill you. It doesn't say you won't be prosperous. There's lots of ways that you might fall into wealth. But if you haven't worked hard, it can be very dangerous. It says mere talk leads only to poverty. What it's saying is that every one of us have dreams. We have goals. And the sluggard is not lacking in that, as we'll see in just a minute. The sluggard has great dreams, has great ideas. The only problem is that it's just talk. And the sluggard's never able to get off the dime and think through conscientiously the practical steps that need to be taken to get from point A to point B. You sit down with a sluggard and they talk to you about this deal. They talk to you about that deal. They talk to you about playing professional sports. They talk to you about uh, traveling. They talk to you about all different kinds of things. All the things they're going to do. But it's always just talk. Turn to chapter 26, verse 16. The sluggard not only talks all the time, but you can't talk to the sluggard because they're always smarter than you are. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. If you sit down with a sluggard and try to instruct him, try to teach him, you don't get anywhere because he's always smarter than you are. All of us need to have a basic humility in our life. It's one of the foundational ideas of the book of Proverbs. In order to live wisely, you have to live humbly. You have to have big ears. You have to feel there's people that can teach me things. The sluggard is the Sam that sits in the cafe and is an expert on everything. And because he's always talking, nobody listens because they've already concluded this guy really doesn't have anything to say because he won't listen to seven men who might really have an answer. This fellow never gets engaged in life. It's always easy to talk when you're not on the field, when you're not in the job, when you don't have the responsibility. And the lazy fella never gets out there and plays, never really gets involved. So obviously he's an expert because he's never had to put his ideas on the line in real life. 
So he's all talk, no action, and he's a self-appointed expert. He loves to dream. We've talked a little bit about this. Turn to chapter 12, verse 11. There's nothing wrong with the sluggard's ambition. This guy has a lot of ambition in his head. He's got to have a lot of ideas of things that he'd like to do. It says in chapter 12, uh, verse 11, this. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Mom and dad, from the time that our kids are small, we need to teach the kids that they need to work their available land. Now, we're not in an agricultural culture anymore, and there's not a whole lot of us that are working our land. But what is he talking about? What he's saying is that as you begin to grow older, as you begin to mature, as you try things, and childhood and youth is the time to try a lot of things. And what the Lord wants you to do is to experiment with lots of things, but what you start to find out is you all have some available land. And what it means is that every one of you have available resources. You have skills. You have abilities. And what it's telling you is to work those available resources. Develop those skills. Work hard to discipline them. I think a great illustration of this is where in New York City, the fantasy that the ghetto chases in New York City, and there's lots of very difficult, conflicting kind of problems in the ghetto, and it's very sad. And I don't want to oversimplify it because I wasn't raised there, and it's difficult to raise babies when you have some of your babies dying from rats. One of the real tragedies of the ghetto in New York City is that there's a whole culture that fantasizes about playing NBA basketball. And Dr. Irving, Dr. J. Irving, the doctor that used to play with the 76ers, came to Word of Life, Word of Life camp, and took about 600 of these kids at a basketball camp. He gathered all those guys together and those girls, and they're all motivated to play basketball. And Dr. J. looked at them and he told them, don't live to play basketball. You see, don't go to school and just play basketball. Don't go to school and just play athletics because it's a fantasy. And then he went through the statistics about how many kids would play high school basketball. It was a pretty good percentage of these kids. Then he broke it down into how many of the ghetto kids that were living to play basketball would make it in college. And the percentage went way down. Then he broke it down to how many kids would play in the NBA. And that was an unbelievably small percentage. And then he talked about the fact that the average NBA player only played for two years in the NBA. And some of the kids raised their hand and said, what about you, you know, why do you play basketball? And he said this, I played basketball, one, because I enjoyed it, and two, because the Lord God in heaven gave me a one in several million gift to be able to play basketball. And he also went on to say, I played basketball, but I also got my degree from Temple University. An earned degree. He has an honorary doctorate, but he earned his degree, his college degree. And what it's bringing out is just these ideas. Don't chase fantasies. I'll never forget Julius Irving's unexpected words to that group of aspiring basketball players. I would have expected him to share enthusiastically about how every one of them needed to pursue a career in basketball, 
But instead, as I just related to you, he challenged them to do the hard work, to learn their ABCs, to learn their mathematics, to learn science, to stay at it in school, to develop other talents and other abilities that the Lord God might have given to them. And certainly that is very strategic, practical wisdom. Every one of us, whatever race that we might be, we are enslaved when we are depending upon others, when we look upon life as being something that's owed us instead of getting out and recognizing the talents and abilities that God has given to us and then doing the hard work that it takes to be prosperous and to succeed. And Proverbs has some very ancient and yet there are still very needed lessons to teach us against the tragedy of becoming lazy, the tragedy against using false dreams to keep us from doing the, the true-to-life, real effort that we need to do today. I pray with all my heart that the Lord will use today's lesson exposing the thievery of Sam Sluggard to just come alongside many of you and give you a shot on the arm, give you an encouragement to keep working at some of those hard, difficult tasks. Some of you that are students, I pray that the Lord will use this exposure of Sam Slugger to help you to stay at your studies. Those of you that are working in, in some new jobs and just beginning uh, that start towards climbing up the ladder, I pray that you'll realize how important it is to do the menial task with skill and with thought and with the freedom of doing your very best because you belong to the Lord Jesus. And these ancient principles from Proverbs warning us against how laziness can creep into our bones and then it begins to turn all of our dreams into nightmares is a very important lesson. This is Dave Wurtson, and I just want to share with you that it means a great deal to be able to hear from you about the way that the Spirit of God is using this daily time of encountering God's truth together to open up the truth and the reality of not only eternity, but also in the book of Proverbs, the reality, the practical common sense that we need to live wisely today.